For the week of April 19th, 2020, this is Star Wars TV Talk, where we dive deep into every Star Wars TV and Disney Plus streaming series, as well as all the latest news coming out of Lucasfilm. Today, we are reviewing the ninth episode of the seventh and final season of The Clone Wars, Old Friends Not Forgotten, in which Ahsoka seeks the assistance from Anakin and Obi-Wan on her quest to remove Maul's influence on Mandalore. John, what did you think of this episode? Oh, I was pleasantly surprised. This was a real treat. Maybe some of the most fun Star Wars I've watched since... uh the best of the Mandalorian season. So yeah, I'm really excited to, to jump into this. Well, let's go ahead and get into this episode. Now, usually we discuss a Jedi fortune cookie at the beginning of each episode, but this one <laughs> didn't have one. In fact, the opening of this episode, and I'm guessing this is going to be the opening style for the remaining four episodes of the Clone Wars was quite mm-hmm. different. Yes. Yeah, I I think they're signaling that this is of a piece. They want us to feel like this is a proper Star Wars movie. So they give us sort of a a cinematic intro and not just a cinematic one. They actually use the old timey Lucasfilm Limited logo uh, for any um, of the, the young folks who have maybe only ever seen the special editions forward. They never saw just those stark green letters that were the original title card for Lucasfilm when the movies were first theatrically released. So that was a nice little callback, uh, something a little vintage for us old timers. I really like that. I loved the fanfare. I loved just the whole treatment. It it was really rousing. And it says, Hey, this is, this is going to be a real adventure. Like this is, you need to to perk up right now and and get in this because yeah, we're not, we're not going to stop from here on out. And uh, I was feeling it. I was, I was really grinning by the time uh, the animation kicked up. Yeah, it was really cool just to kind of get that cinematic feel like you were saying, because as soon as it starts, I mean, it almost like pushes you to the edge of your seat (laughs) because you're just kind of sitting back. You're maybe on your couch, maybe a recliner, and you're just ready to relax and watch this episode. And then as soon as that clone or that Lucasfilm logo, you're like, oh, that's different. And then Mm -hmm. bang, it hits you like these classic Star Wars films that we're so used to uh, do. And then we're in it and for the long run i mean the battle sequence at the beginning is absolutely outstanding Mm -hmm. the animation is so amazing here yeah agreed on all points they really upped their game i was noticing in particular when they were showing the spacecraft like the you know the the grand uh vehicles it seemed like they were more detailed It, it was almost hard at times to distinguish them from the actual live action movie fair and grievous too he got a serious makeover even though we only get him for like 10 seconds on screen you could just tell that they they don't want you to think of this as just a typical television episode this is the one that is just going to be more visually popping and uh, it just seems like they really put their craft into this and it kind of makes sense because I'm assuming that this wasn't in development with the original plan for the season back in the day. I think this is something that they spun up and it's probably the reason why they wanted to come back and revisit the season as a whole was because they, they had this story that they wanted to tell. So I think they really pulled out all the stops and everyone was just bringing their a game to the animation because this episode, yeah, it really shines. 
And on top of that, it's not absent from these heart wrenching themes that I'm starting to get used to with the Clone Wars. Like, so from the very beginning, you have Obi Wan saving Commander Cody, and we all know how this (laughs) interaction, or not necessarily this specific one, but this relationship between the two of them, how it ends, and kind of what happens uh, here. And so, from right from the beginning, with me, I'm like, oh okay, this is, you know, it's setting the stage for this this tragedy of Anakin Skywalker that we get by Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, they, they really want to underscore the idea that these clones are so loyal, so loyal. These are such good guys. And yet we see all of the Jedi cast to the far-flung corners of the galaxy with their troop battalions. And we know how all of those scenes play out in Revenge of the Sith. They actually show you most of the Jedi that we peek in on in Revenge of the Sith, they show them going to the planets that they're going to be at during Order 66. So we we know things are getting close. And they actually, you know, they give us a very clear timeline as we get into the episode of just how close we are to the Battle of Coruscant. So yeah, yeah, things are things are heating up. And uh it was it was just so fun to see them set the scene here. It it felt so familiar. It felt like the proper prequel to Revenge of the Sith that we would want. Sort of like how Rogue One is a genuine proper sequel to a new hope. This feels like it, it's going to go right up to the moment where revenge of the Sith is going to take over, if not overlap it in some respects. So yeah, super intrigued, having a lot of fun so far. Yeah. And just on this bridge, you have Obi-Wan kind of popping out of nowhere. He mm-hmm. looks yep. a, a little worn down here. Like that the, the trenches of war have really taken a toll on him. And it, it's really cool to see that, to see just this war that's going on that, of course, the Clone Wars has been so good at showing us. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, right here you have just Obi-Wan and then, of course, Anakin kind of pops up like uh, Luke Skywalker <laughs> from The right. Last Jedi here. Yeah, there's something kind of poetic about this scene. And probably once we watch these last few episodes as a piece, there's probably going to be a lot that parallels the original Clone Wars movie that kicked off the series. It feels like what they're saying here is look how far we've come from how much effort it took to best a clone army at the beginning and how just sort of like, you know, young and annoying and naive Ahsoka was and how much more restrained the the Jedi were. And here we are at the end where to Anakin and he's unfazed. He doesn't even have to duck laser cover, you know, at this point. He's just he's totally at ease with the thought of I'm about to go decimate a thousand droids and there's nothing they can do about it because this is old hat to me. Um we we see that uh all of our characters have learned a lot and been through a lot over the last few years. And I I feel like this says it loud and clear. Yeah, absolutely. I mean we get like I said, this kind of heart-wrenching theme over it and the whole episode kind of has this tone where Mm. like you were saying they talk about how loyal these clones are that we're like yeah well we know how this all ends (laughs) right uh but yeah just from that point and then of course we get ahsoka and anakin reuniting in this next Mm. scene yeah now this is where the the episode slows down and starts to feel really good first off they're pulling in classic Star Wars themes left and right in this episode. They're making it uber cinematic by giving us all these callbacks. Uh, and so you get that, like when Ahsoka gets off of the the craft and we kind of get our introduction, there's a big swelling emotional Star Wars score there. And we have it in the opening battle. I think they're trying to make this feel like nostalgic and just tug on the heartstrings of fans and and give them a reminder of uh you know why we all love Star Wars for for anyone that felt like maybe things have gone off the reservation a little bit with some of the the IP I think they're trying to call people home with this. And so yeah, you're you're getting 
all of these very familiar Star Wars beats and they're taking time to really let them land. And there is some emotional heft there. So yes, with, with uh, the hologram to begin with, you know, where we now understand, okay, Ahsoka has accessed the, you know, the, the fulcrum frequency and she's coming in hot here. Um, it, it just felt so good. I, every scene in this episode felt tailor made to call back and well up good feelings about star Wars and what it, what it can do thematically and, and how it can kind of, yeah, just hit you in the gut when it needs to. And uh, we're definitely feeling it in this first scene where you see Anakin kind of taken aback, like, Oh, okay. Well maybe the force is maneuvering things and maybe there's a chance to make things right. And you know, he's, he's really emotionally invested in, in supporting Ahsoka and you kind of just see that in his eyes there when she comes up on the hologram. So it gives us a good perspective of where all of our characters are at at this point too. Yeah, and that to me is also just super heartbreaking because we know from Rebels that this is actually the last interaction that Ahsoka Mm -hmm. has with Anakin. And he's kind of defending her. And I figured it was going to be like this great reunion. There was going to be a a lot of uh, exchanges of like, oh, I'm so sorry or I'm so happy you're back whatever it is, but she's kind of, she's kind of closed off to Anakin. As soon as he tries to greet her after he's once again, (laughs) defending her to Obi-Wan and saying, maybe this is what the force intended was that, that she was going to go off and come back so that we could capture Maul. And Obi-Wan's like, yeah, Maul, whatever. I don't really care about it, which it has to make, Darth Maul so upset that Obi-Wan just doesn't <laughs> yes, really care. Yeah, yeah. Maul's been stewing for what, over a decade now. And uh yeah, Obi-Wan, I already killed that guy. <laughs> you know, if, if you actually do run into him, capture him this time, because he, he's a he's a sneaky one. Um yeah, that that's amusing, but you're you're right that there's a lot more being said in this scene about how bad Anakin feels on the inside and how much it's kind of shaken his faith in sort of the black and white idea of good and bad that he had as a Jedi. Uh, so you can you can see that he's grappling with a lot there, and Obi Wan's not helping the situation. He's very dismissive of it, and while he's saying, you know, I'm going to be cautiously optimistic and hope that you know maybe maybe this is for the best. I'm not just going to presume that because Ahsoka is showing up that uh, you know there's a grand strategy in place or that you know it's the will of the Force or whatever. And I think that hurts Anakin because I, I think he really wants to buy into the idea that somehow this was all for the greater good. And well, <laughs> we'll, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, and Anakin also thinks that she's back, right? Like he he's believing right, right. she she's come back home. She's back yes. to me. We're reunited, but that's not why she's there. She's there because she's hoping that the that the paths will cross and that Obi-Wan and Anakin will be like, "Yeah, you know what? We do have to capture Maul and we do have to uh free Mandalore." But once again, Obi-Wan's kind of he he wrote this whole thing off as this, right. "Yeah, I mean, if if the council's okay with it, I guess I'll do it." But he's not too eager to actually help out the situation situation because he's he's eager more on just getting his job done yeah ahsoka's calling in a favor like she feels like she has maybe a little bit of pull with these guys still and she's going in there with an agenda she's not going in there to make friends or you know make nice or whatever and that hurts a little bit too you you can see anakin's a bit taken aback when she shushes him you know like this isn't going to be the master padawan dynamic that they had there this isn't you know we're not good yet you know that's kind of what ahsoka is saying right out of the gate where she sort of just takes control of the situation and just sort of lays down the law and says you know this is how it's got to be you know uh so she's very assertive and she's very cold and you can tell that that kind of hits anakin hard too because he thought maybe you know this was the the prodigal daughter you know coming home so to speak and uh no that's that's not what's happening here so anakin he just he can't catch a break with any of this but obviously um 
he's not going to stop trying to uh, melt Ahsoka's heart and kind of win her back. We we get a really touching scene after this that I have some thoughts on. Yeah, and then we have Bo-Katan, who's also extremely right. cold in this, where she brings up her sister to Obi-Wan. Like, oh, I thought you would help for the sake of <laughs> yes. my sister. I thought she meant a little bit towards you, which was just, man, that that cut deep as well. Yeah, they're not the best diplomats. Eh? They they come in and they just kind of tell everyone how it's going to be. And they're surprised when the Jedi don't just jump and, you know, send them off with a, a battalion of clones. Uh, I don't know what they were expecting to to come in there and sort of like, yeah, cut Obi-Wan to the core there and, and dredge up really, you know, painful memories and also call him out in front of Anakin because Anakin doesn't have a whole lot of insight on uh, Obi-Wan, the, the, you know, lovelorn. <laughs> uh situation that that he was in so yeah very awkward and uh i would i would have used a slightly softer touch if i was bo katan but that's not really the mandalorian way now is it they they have a you know prickly exterior so she's definitely playing the part yeah and so this ends with basically anakin and obi-wan not necessarily having an agreement on going but they do agree to help out Mm. the situation in some way and we get this this act of loyalty, this act of respect from the clones, and it's really touching. But once again, it's heartbreaking, and I'm curious to see how this all plays out, because the clones paint their helmet to honor Ahsoka. Yeah, uh, that's what I see. It was in the trailer, so I wish they hadn't thrown that in the trailer, because I think it would have been even a little bit more poignant if, if we really just kind of got to feel that for the first time with Ahsoka there in the scene. It's a nice gesture. It's kind of like everybody in the Grand Army is saying to Ahsoka, look, I, I get it. You know, you walked away, you left, but that doesn't mean that there's any problem from our side. You know, everyone's there ready to welcome her back. And um, yeah, it's kind of touching. She gets saluted in the hallway and she's feeling awkward about it. Like she doesn't feel like she she deserves that because she sort of deserted in a way. But yeah, she fought alongside these guys enough that uh, there's camaraderie. That's what clones are all about. And Anakin kind of underscores that and lets her know, you know, you're, you're as much family as you ever were. And uh, it was just really nice that they, they adopted, you know, her, her facial markings and everything. It's just, yeah, what a, what a, a nice way to sort of bring things full circle from the Ahsoka that we saw in the first episode. At that point, she was really like, itching to make a name for herself and build up a little bit of credibility and some respect and she was just snips at that point but no now she's a commander and and she's you know won the loyalty of the troops and it was definitely definitely a fitting scene for this grand finale we're getting and it's really interesting because a part of me is like okay so they go off with ahsoka to mandalorian or at least the this this whole unit is split into two. Yes. Half of the 501st because we know where the other half of the 501st yeah. end up in a few hours. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and we get this, this kind of weird thing where I'm thinking, okay, how does this play out for Ahsoka, who's not really a Jedi, right? Like, she's not a Jedi mm. anymore. Order 66 was specific towards Jedi. So how is this going to end? Is this going to be, is this going to be the thing that causes Rex to be the Rex we see in rebels. Mm. I mean, there's just so much here to look at because I'm wondering like, how is this going to play out while she's on Mandalore? Well, order 66 is an order against the Jedi. So how informed are the clones with regard to her current status? Are they able to overcome the chip in this case? Um, You know, we got some hints in previous episodes where some of the clones were getting kind of close to sort of figuring out that they had chips and what it was all about. And, maybe there's going to be a reveal there. Like maybe they have a really clever answer to that question. I can't wait to find out what it is, or maybe it just simply is. She's not a Jedi. Hold your fire kind of a thing. You know, maybe Rex is able to 
make that calculation in the moment. You know, we, we just don't know yet, but it, well, the other part of it is a lot of her clones died. So we don't know how many clones are going to be left by the time order 66 gets called, but uh, I'm excited to see how it plays out. It's one of the few unanswered questions that we still have. And it's so neat to kind of see these themes of these two shows, Clone Wars and Rebels, because mm. we get the, of course, Ahsoka says the last time she saw Anakin was when he went off to chase the Chancellor or to save the Chancellor. And yes. so we see that we see her last mm-hmm. interaction. And it's not like, like I said before, not really the best type of goodbye. It's just kind of like, oh, I mean, hey, good luck. Like, I hope that everything works out and that we see each other again. But we know how this tragedy ends here. And then, of course, Ahsoka is left alone in this trap with Darth Maul here. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, <laughs> let's let's fill in a, a few gaps there. So we do get this poignant scene where Anakin's reminding her that you know he taught her better than to not believe that luck plays into things. So as he's walking away, she says, "Master," and he turns back and she says, "Good luck." Uh, very fitting. You know, we get that in Star Wars too. We get kind of like the Han Solo, you know, Luke, may the Force be with you, kind of thing. Uh, we, nice somber moment. You never know when it's going to be your last goodbye in war. So it's nice that they lingered on this and, and underscored it because then, yeah, when we tell the tales later on down the road, we're going to be able to picture the scene. You know, that's, that's a really nice way that they brought that little tidbit of Ahsoka's story to a conclusion. Obviously, um, you know, at this point, the, the grand army is heading back to Coruscant. She's got a handful of clones to bring back with Bo-Katan and, uh, I think we get some really epic and fun and just beautifully staged action that I don't, I don't know if Clone Wars has ever hit these heights. Clone Wars has had a lot of really intense action sequences and, and some really creative staging of battles. And, you know, they've, they've done some really good work, but Mandalorian jetpacks and, you know, aerial acrobatics and Ahsoka just go into town with her lightsabers, like just really reclaiming all of her Jedi might and putting it to good use. There was something very satisfying about their arrival and uh, kicking off the siege of Mandalore. So we don't need to dwell on it, but I just wanted to make a point of saying the, the whole animation team and just the amount of craft put into really making this tense and fun and exciting and feel original with so many clone wars episodes behind us to still be able to have a set piece like this, that, yeah, it just feels fresh and exciting. Good on him. And the last four to five episodes we've had with Ahsoka, she's kind of been holding back a little bit. Like she hasn't been mm-hmm. embracing everything that the Force has given her to this point. So it starts, in my opinion, when Anakin gives her her lightsabers back. And at that point, she kind of has this moment of realization like, OK, yeah, I'm going I'm going to use these. I'm going to use everything that I've learned, but I'm not going to do it necessarily in the name of the Jedi. I'm going to do it in mm. the name of what's actually the good thing to do. And this is kind of the theme that the Martez sisters brought about in Ahsoka where we start seeing her get closer and closer to this Ahsoka we get in Rebels. Yeah, she has figured out who she is. She's not a bad person just because she leaves the Jedi Order. She's decided that she's going to figure out for herself what she feels loyal to and what causes she wants to champion. And it's not going to be at the behest of the council. And uh, fortunately, you know, her instincts and her ethics are pretty much in check. So 
when she picks a side, it's usually the right side. It's just really nice to see her regain that confidence and that footing as, as just a human being, not as a Jedi. You know, she's she, that chapter is closed. She is okay with who she is at this point, and she's just kind of figured out how she wants to proceed. You know, with the next chapter of her life, and uh, yeah, so we're we're seeing that it's it's a a solid footing that she's found, which she didn't have during the whole Martez sisters escapade. You know, that was Ahsoka walkabout trying to figure out you know who she was. I think she's put all that to bed now. Yeah. And the next thing that was just interesting to kind of see this theme is you have these clones that are, of course, loyal to Ahsoka and have painted their armor to match Ahsoka. (laughs) And then these Mandalorians who have now transformed their Mandalorian armor to represent that of Maul, which is whenever I first saw this on, I think it was on social media where I saw kind of, because it was in these trailers where you get a little too much. And I'm just like, oh, I don't know how I feel about the Mandalorians just accepting Maul's rule and painting their helmets and their uh, transforming their armor to resemble him. But mm-hmm. then at the same time, when you see what's going on on Mandalore, and then you see this armor in action, I mean, it looked phenomenal. Yeah, well, I mean, we got to know who the good guys and the bad guys are, right? We got to know that we want blue to beat red. <laughs> so there's a practical reason why they're all decked out like that. But I, I think it makes sense. There is a lot of story left to tell about how Maul actually kind of usurps power there. And it's been dealt with in, in comics and stuff like that. It'd be nice if, you know, they bring it to live action fair or animated fair. But regardless, I, I don't think it's it's a stretch that, especially in times of war, you know, you get these patriotic fervors where people like rally behind the leader or whatever. And, and Mandalorians are very like proud um, or it would be very easy for them to rally behind the person that they think is, you know, championing their cause. So I, I could see them seeing a strong man as, as an appropriate leader. And that kind of parallels, you know, what you get in a lot of cultures where if they hit hard times and there's, you know, societal unrest, they will rally around a charismatic figure, even if they're not the best person, you know, and that's usually a problem when a country goes in that direction. Um, but I, I can, I can see how you get from point A to point B with the Mandalorians actually like seeing him as the figurehead, the guy that they want to emulate and, and taking on that mantle. So I don't know. That was all working for me. And when I saw them all decked out as mall acolytes, I thought, yeah, that, that makes sense. I can, I can understand how mentally or emotionally the society would get pulled in that direction. Well, and then, like you said, he's kind of this strong man who's maybe championing their cause or makes it seem that he is because one, mm-hmm. he's not with the Republic. He's not with the separatists. He's, kind of there he has a common cause where he doesn't like the jedi either so it's kind of this thing where he's like listen i'm not i'm not the emperor i'm not i'm not you know (laughs) trying to execute that cause here but yeah it's something that i i would also like to see played out in this show because i have seen a little bit from the comic books but it would just be kind of cool to see it in these next four episodes there's always more stories to tell but yeah it's interesting because you didn't get the sense when they landed on mandalore that this was a subjugated people like he has loyalists you know he has this um vassal king that is doing his bidding who is a you know a died in the wool believer so he has followers and that's not necessarily what people would have expected you know you look at maul you'd say how could you ever follow the devil but obviously you know (laughs) there are he's got a he's got more than a few acolytes so very very interesting and we know that this whole thing has been a trap to capture Kenobi. I mean, this guy, we know he never gives up and we know <laughs> right. how this story ends. But it's really interesting to see how he 
kind of played into this whole siege of Mandalore in at least in part to capture Kenobi. Yeah, I guess he he learned a few things from Palpatine, you know, that sometimes starting a conflict and creating some chaos is a good way to manipulate things and get people into compromised situations. He uh he just miscalculated. He didn't realize that Obi-Wan was way more over, <laughs> you know, the situation than he was. And I like the idea that no matter how hard he tries, he's just never going to get one up on Kenobi. You know, he can, he can kill his love. He can uh, go, you know, uh, mano a mano. There's no situation where, um, yeah, he'll ever truly be the equal of Kenobi. And yeah, this is just one more underscore of that. And it's setting up a theme where this show, and we know the ultimate ending of this whole story arc isn't necessarily happy, but we didn't know how the Clone Wars was going to end, but it seems like it's kind of going to end with some gloom and doom here. Well, we know Maul lives, right? So there's still a lot of story to tell, and I think things are going to go south for our heroes on Mandalore. Uh, Yeah, I can't wait to see how it plays out because we just get a big cliffhanger, right? This set the table. We know where everyone's at, what everyone's doing. And Ahsoka is surrounded on all sides. And uh, we'll pick it up from there next week. Super excited to do that. Well, John, while people are waiting for this next amazing episode of The Clone Wars, where can they find you? They can check out my other podcast, the SNL After Party. Anyone who likes Saturday Night Live uh, might be aware that they put out a um, at home edition last week. We covered that on our most recent cast. That's out now for people to listen to. It was historic and interesting to watch, and we had a whole lot to say about it. So if that's anyone's cup of tea, go to snlpodcast.com or find us at SNL After Party in all of your podcasting apps. And you can keep up with the show throughout the week on Twitter at Star Wars TV Talk and by emailing us at hello at Star Wars TV Talk.com. You can keep up with the rest of our episodes online at Star Wars TV Talk.com and by searching for Star Wars TV Talk wherever you get your podcasts. And please leave us a five star review. You can find more TV Talk podcasts at TV Talk.fm. Thank you so much for listening and may the force be with you always.